Hi, my name is Nadine and welcome to In Her Lens, a podcast all about people working in film and TV and centering those voices which were historically not. Now in this season, I'm specifically exploring the intersection of climate and film, whether in production, in story or in distribution. Who is working there? What are they working on? And what is the impact of film in the fight against climate change? Today, we are joined by Poppy Mason Watts, Chief Growth and Impact Officer at Waterbear Network, a free streaming platform showcasing award-winning documentaries and shorts, as well as original content spanning biodiversity, community, climate action, and sustainable fashion. I repeat, a free streaming service. Also been dubbed the Netflix for the planet, but then free. Next to the incredible content, Waterbear members are also prompted to take direct action to support NGOs around the world and shape a better future for our planet. Using film and storytelling as really a direct tool for inspiring action and sharing community. A part of the founding team and now one of its three directors, Poppy is an expert in digital marketing and communications. She has an incredible CV and she is using that experience to drive through action through stories, community, radical collaboration. In this episode, I ask Poppy, how is Waterbear leveraging the power of entertainment to provoke positive action? We talk about the founding of Waterbear and how it functions today both as a streaming platform and as a company. I ask about Poppy's thoughts on decentralizing production models and how she strategizes against the giants. Let's just hop right in. Here is Poppy Mason Watts on In Her Lens. All right, Poppy, welcome to In Her Lens. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to have you. Um, so before we hop into all the details, I usually start off every episode with a short little quick fire. Um, and this season, they are designed, uh, there are four questions designed around the seasons of the year. Um, are you game? <laughs> I am game. And thank you so much for having of me. Course. Looking forward to it. <laughs> um, okay, so spring. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? I really like to get outside with my dog and feel the fresh air before starting work. Summertime, if you could go to a concert tonight for any kind of artist, alive or past, who would you want to go see? Easy, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's such a good one. <laughs> um, in the fall, um, coffee or tea? Tea, always. Mm. And winter, is there a resounding mantra or word or phrase that you carry with you um, to power you through your days? Ooh, coziness, which I'm not sure powers me, but um, I like the idea of getting to like a cozy wine bar at the end of the day or getting home and getting into a big chunky jumper and being cozy. That is beautiful. And I very much adhere to this. Okay, Poppy, you are the uh, chief growth and impact officer at Waterbury Network, which is one of the very first interactive streaming platforms, which is free, all dedicated to the future of our planet. Um, before we talk about the details of exactly what Waterbear does, I would love to talk about you and your journey and get to know you a little bit. Uh, where did you grow up? Where are you from? 
Um, so I'm originally from Wales in the UK. I have no accent, but speak the very, very weird language of Welsh. Um, <laughs> cool. I, I grew up there, but moved um, moved to England. I went to university in Leeds and then actually did a little stint in London and then moved to Asia for seven ah, years. Where in yes. Asia? So I spent three and a half years in Singapore and mm-hmm. three and a half years in Hong Kong working out there. Fantastic. I used to live in Singapore. I grew up there as awesome. a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and did you enjoy schooling? Did you like school? Did you study? Yeah, I mean, I was one of those people that could get away with doing kind of the bare minimum. Um, and it was it was a bit annoying because I, I was so desperate to get out into the world of work. Um, so at university, I had two or three hours a week and kind of knew that I really liked reading. I studied English and philosophy and knew that if I kind of did the reading, but then worked 40 hours in a week in a restaurant, I could make some money and, and live a cool life. Like I, I was very much mm-hmm. university as a means to getting out and working. Um, yeah. So I just kind of wished the time away and I finished university on the Friday and then Monday I started a job in London. I was oh, desperate, to, desperate to work. What, what was your first job? Um, I worked in PR. I started in a communications agency um, when I was kind of 20. So yeah. And what did you enjoy about working life? What did you kind of learn from that first job experience maybe? I loved, at that stage, I loved the hustle. Um, I loved, I was kind of working in London and it was it was long hours, it was comms, it was kind of poorly paid, um, but it was great. It was organizing events, it was getting stuck in with the media agenda, it was talking to interesting people, what we called KOLs, the key opinion leaders. Um, and I just, I loved that. I loved the media scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, that set me up, I guess, for the next 15 years to, to where I am today. Yeah, which is one of the directors and founders of Water Bear. Um, when did you first get involved with the company, its concept? Uh, where did it start for you? Yeah, it's a, it was a weird journey, to be honest, because I spent the first 10 years of my life um, 10 years of my life, sorry, 10 years of my working life, mm-hmm. uh, working for kind of big consumer product stuff. Um, so some would say the, the bad side of what I do now. <laughs> um, it was working for, for major corporations um, in marketing and communications. Um, and then I did a bit of a U-turn. I pivoted into TV, um, mm-hmm. which is strange because I grew up without television. Um, uh-huh, so I never thought I'd end up watching TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working in TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started working in Hong Kong at National Geographic and Fox Channels. So mm-hmm. it was working on major, major kind of series like The Walking Dead, Asia's mm-hmm. Next Top Model. Um, and it was with National Geographic that I started to get a little bit disillusioned by the media industry in the form that I was working in. So it was all about ratings. It was all about... Um, kind of advertising and, and what people were paying for advertising and that really dictated what was being shown on TV. So I started having to think about what else I could do. Um, moved to Amsterdam, worked for a, a kind of an agency that supported major film launches and, and worked on some really cool projects like Forsama, which was mm-hmm. an and BAFTA nominated film. Yeah, we actually actually interviewed the composer of that for one of the oh, earlier cool. episodes of Amazing. the it's podcast. Incredible yeah. film. Such a beautiful film. It's yeah. so beautiful. Um, and then I kind of, I remember sitting down and being like, right, I need to go and do something more meaningful. I need to, um, this is it. I'm going to set up my own business and I'm going to small, I'm going to support small sustainable organizations with their marketing. Um, so I kind of started doing the business planning 
happened to speak to an old friend and he said, hang on, before you do that, I think I've got something that marries your worlds, which is wanting to do good, purpose-driven sustainability communications and marketing with media, TV, which would be my last kind of five years. Mm -hmm. um, and I was introduced to the um, our founding kind of investor, Ellen Vindermuth, um, and the team here and was was kind of enveloped as part of the founding team with three or four others and um, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, such an incredible story. It's really cool how uh, when we start building careers, how things start aligning later down the road. So yeah, um, exactly. what are your uh, exact responsibilities at the moment at Waterbear? Yeah, so my role is a bit of a, it's a, it's a mishmash of lots of different things. So on the one hand, you've got the running of the business, which I do with our, our kind of two other um, partners, um, our CFO and our CEO, our COO and CEO, so three of them, sorry. Um, and that's the kind of running of the business side. Day to day, my focus is on how we use marketing and community growth, how we use content and editorial, and how we use our or work with our NGO partners, our commercial partners to drive as much tangible impact as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's grow community so that we can kind of harness that community to do good. Mm -hmm. It's make amazing content so that we have something to inspire that community with. And it's work with NGOs commercial partners and other kind of partners to fund, invest, create content to drive change and impact. Um, so it's a bit of a broad scope, but those worlds all intersect. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's exactly what's so cool. I mean, this is really such a like multi-channel, exciting, creative yeah. hub that exists. Um, it's free. It has impactful, inspirational documentary, short film series. The list goes on. Um, all about planetary and human health. Um it's all sustainably certified, the films. Yep. Um, yep. What, will you tell us in a couple of words, what is Water Bear's mission? Um, Water Bear's mission is to build a community that we can push into collective agency um, to drive action. So, you know, if you've got an amazing community that are engaged by inspiring, inspiring, inspiring <laughs> story, um, we can then use that engagement to do better for our world to do better for our planet whether it's um, asking a group a collective to sign something whether it's to put pressure on governments whether it's to write a letter to an mp or whether it's to attend a local community gathering we're really hoping that that kind of engagement can drive collective agency yeah it's like what people have dubbed it netflix for the planet <laughs> yeah um yeah. i really want to talk about the power of entertainment and storytelling um yeah. i think that that is something that you're quite an expert on with all your experience what what is the power of entertaining according to you um specifically just in our world culturally and then also in relation to the climate crisis cool so i will start with culturally um we know that entertainment has the power to move, to inspire, to engage, to kind of push people to do something. You have to kind of, if you look at everything that people watch from um, sitting down at the end of the day to watch Love Island, um, which is a reality series in the UK, to watching a feature film that kind of, a feature documentary that creates learning, knowledge, excitement, awareness. Um, they, they, all have, they all have the power to do something. And at Waterbear, we really believe in that power of entertainment to drive change. Entertainment mm -hmm. is the Trojan horse, I think, in the climate crisis for us, if you think mm -hmm. about it. So yeah. if you can start creating content, creating films, creating moments that meet people where they are. So let's take a football community. We know that a football community has that cultural zeitgeist fandom. You know, you've got real fans, true, true sports yeah. fans 
there. If we can use an entertaining format or an entertaining piece of content to educate or to Trojan horse climate into it, um, you've got real power there. Um, and that's what we believe entertainment can do. Yeah. Yeah. I think about this all the time and it's a big reason why I started the podcast in terms I, and for my lens, it was really about representation, um, yeah. and how much we reflect back at the world, what we take in all the time. Yeah. Um, what are some different tools that Waterbear is using to provoke action? Uh, when, you, when I, let's say I, I log on, I want to watch this documentary. What might I see or get, uh, notified yeah. of? Yeah, for sure. So I should caveat here that Water Bear, while we're two years old, we actually relaunched our product about six months ago and mm. we've spent the summer deep diving into what the audience is looking for, what our community wants and what kind of actions resonate best. So we've just done that deep dive of learning and we'll probably release a new version kind of in the next six months using cool. those learnings. But at the moment, if you go and watch a film on the platform, you can take action in a multitude of ways. It might be sign a petition. Um, so it all depends on the campaign. It might be download more information. It might be follow an NGO and sign up to find out more. A campaign we launched at the end, at the end, at the start of the year. You can tell it's morning here. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> a campaign we launched at the start of the year, the prompt at the end of the film was to write a letter to your local MP, your politician oh, yeah. in the UK. Um, and that was a pre, um, pre-written template. So it all depends on the campaign we're building. But one belief we have is that by logging onto Waterbear, by signing in and, and kind of watching this content for free, you're, you're building that base level awareness, knowledge, kind of um, education around a topic that you might not have thought about or considered before that. Um, yeah. The action follows that. But, but I, can, I think even if you're not taking action at the end of something, if you're watching and learning, that's, that's a great kind of, that, that in itself is impact. Yeah, it really is. Um, where do you see in the larger scale and in, in, in how we're talking about climate and, and, and entertainment stories, where do you see the faltering happen, happening? Like, why does the majority feel so disempowered in this fight? Well, we talk about apathy as being the big enemy, don't we? I think um, everyone that works in the climate space talks about apathy. Um, I think we are we are challenged because we're fighting against major giants in the oil companies. Communications budgets, communication budgets are very small, um, and there is not enough collaboration happening potentially. Um, so your individual, I put myself in this, your individual person, it's very hard to feel like you can kind of, you can, you've got agency yourself, um, which is why we talk about that collective agency. Um, it's one of the reasons we also work with major organizations, brands um, in the work that we're doing, because we mm. believe that there is no way of changing anything if we can't collaborate with radical partners, whether that's a major Fortune 500 organization, mm. whether that's bringing an NGO into that mix. Um, it, it has to start with with that collaboration piece if we really want to drive any change. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that, because I think that's a, there's such a cool like thing that that Waterbear does is like a conduit, like a, such a source of action is providing space for big brands to put their money yeah. where their mouth is. Um, yeah. How is that part of the earning model of, uh, of Waterbear? Because obviously it's a free platform, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes I'm like, oh no, I, I hope it will survive because yeah. it is such a unique uh, gift to be able to access all this amazing content and truly incredible content for free. So how does that work and how are you helping big brands help themselves? Yeah. So firstly, we um, we sat down when we first launched Waterbear and said, what do we really not like about the media industry? And, you know, you look at advertising ratings and we also looked at the paywall that um, 
is across most media platforms. And we said, we really don't ever want people to have to pay for A, documentary content where they're learning mm-hmm. and B, to, to do good. Um, mm-hmm. Why should you have to pay to do good? That just doesn't make sense in our minds. So we've done everything we can to keep Water Bear free. Um, and I hope that remains for, for many, many years. Um, our funding model is a little bit different. Um, we work with amazing organizations, whether that's brands, NGOs, um, foundations in the kind of impact space to fund content. So a Netflix spends heaps and heaps and heaps of cash on content each year. We don't spend heaps of cash. We're funding our content in very different ways. Um, and that means that we don't get into kind of this major content deficit. Right. Um, <laughs> so have, um, almost like sponsorship packages for purpose-driven organizations where they are um, curating a collection of some of their purpose-driven comms, purpose-driven films, films rooted in sustainability on the platform, and they're integrating into our ecosystem. Now, the first question most people ask about that is, hang on, does that mean you'll work with any brand? How are you making sure that you're working with the right brands? Mm. And we have an incredibly strict process in place. We have what we call our moral compass, which first port of call. So the moral compass is a voting tool in the business that every single employee from CEO to latest kind of newest intern who's who's green in the company, they have to vote on the suitability of working with the brand that we're talking to. Oh, well, okay. Um, and there's a number of different questions and not every brand passes. Um, in fact, lots of them don't pass, mm. which is very hard as a startup when you're like, oh, we've got to survive and make, right. make a little bit of money. Um, but we also don't want to, don't want to undermine our credibility. So that's where it starts. Then a heap of due diligence is done. Um, and also it's kind of the litmus test of you look people in the eye and, and do you believe they really want to do good? And a lot of brands, a lot of organizations are trying to move away from business as usual. They are trying to do good. Um, but obviously it's much harder as a, as a major corporation to pivot your ship mm-hmm. um, than some of the smaller, smaller B Corps. So it's, yeah, it's a challenge, but that's how we're doing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because companies are so, I mean, nowadays we are all much more aware of the company's digital footprint. A lot of information is available to us <laughs> yeah. and uh, we all want to know. Um, one part of that is uh, in terms of selecting your films. How do you select the films that go onto the, uh, onto the uh, platform? And uh, will you talk a little bit about the sustainable certification that they have to adhere to, which I believe is of by course. Albert? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so about 80% of, the pla- uh, 80% of the content on Waterbear is what we say acquired or licensed. Um, so that's uh, major films that you might recognize, but also some smaller, shorter films that you might not recognize. Um, we believe in giving a voice and a platform to emerging filmmakers who wouldn't necessarily get their films immediately onto a Netflix because there's only a small slither of space on Netflix for kind of major um, docs, I guess. So we want to, we really want to be a home for up-and-coming filmmakers, emerging filmmakers, diverse voices from all around the world. Um, the rest of the content is either produced by our team, um, so we're originals, or um, produced or funded by brands and NGOs. Um, now, that doesn't mean we're going to make a documentary about... God, am I going to get told off for, for brand name-checking? But we're not going to tell a documentary about Nike's new shoe. Yeah, um, yeah. But we or their new latest supply chain innovation, but mm-hmm. we would tell an amazing story about um, a, a kind of the eradication of single use plastic from a river in in, in a in a kind of in Botswana, for example, um, yeah. that Nike supported because that's one of their kind of initiatives, as an example. Right. So it's important stories that need to be told um, that are made possible by a brand. Now, all of the films that are produced or um, kind of 
funded with with an organization they have to go through the BAFTA certification process which is called Albert um, that means looking at carbon emissions when you're on on shoot that means making sure that you know things like vegetarian food is is eaten on set it means that you shouldn't be flying crews um, around the world you should be working with local talent local crews um, and you're kind of you're, you're tracking your carbon emissions um, we're also now doing a big deep dive into the existing content the acquisitions to make sure that they've adhered where possible too yeah 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 exactly. okay cool um, but it's it's cool it's a really cool process because we we have what we call a decentralized production model. Um, so while we have three or four amazing content bods in-house, so we've got an amazing creative director ahead of production, we are not sending them, that it, the stories aren't all coming from from our office in Amsterdam. We right, are, I, I really want to talk about this decentralized production model idea because yeah. I think that it is a very big key to the future of sustainable filmmaking because it can feel very overwhelming if you go to a, any film set now because yeah. majority are not. Um, what is, yeah, let, let's talk about it. What does it look like? What does that exactly mean? So it's not going with the crew from here to there. It's also, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did a massive rant about it on LinkedIn recently. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will link it in the yeah, episode notes. <laughs> no, um, no it's, it's simple, right? Like we... We, I'll talk through the water bear process and then maybe think about how, how others could do similar. We have um, over 150 production partners around the world. So we spent a lot of time when we set the organization up focused on making sure that we had production partners on all of the kind of major, well, the major continents, but also in the countries that we're seeing stories come out of. So we have production partners all across Africa, um, in Australia, multiple regions in Asia um, that we can call on if we have a story that comes out of that region so that they can produce um, and, and make sure they're on the ground there. What we also do is, is rather than sitting here coming up with lots of story ideas, we put out RFPs for story ideas. So mm-hmm. if we want a story on, um, let's just go back to eradicating single-use plastic in, in a, a region in Africa, we will put that RFP out to all of our production partners in Africa and we'll ask them for their stories because they're locally on the ground and they know what's going on there. Um, so we, and then we work with a partner to commission them. So it's almost like a commissioning model and, and the brand or the partner is the commissioner and we're with that kind of go-between. Um, a great example is is... You know, there are two, actually two lovely examples. The first is a film we made earlier this year called Play Hungry, mm-hmm. um, which was about a Filipino, the Filipino national basketball team um, who really, really sadly are playing basketball in poverty. Um, but we worked with an all Filipino um, production crew and team um, and obviously the Filipino basketball team. It was, it was an amazing production. Mm. And then another example is Matar, which launched at the start of this year. We had a major campaign around it. Matar is a docu-scripted film. Um, so that's the entertainment Trojan horse piece because yeah. it's that people recognize. Um, and that was created and produced with a um, an all-refugee team because it was a film about lived experiences as a refugee in the UK. Um, a beautiful film. It's not a story we should be telling. I, I'm I'm not a refugee, so I can't tell that story. It was told with a, a kind of local team, um, all refugee team, and they are much better equipped and able to tell that story than we are. So it, it's all about lived experiences, ensuring that we're giving the voices to the right people and making sure that we're, we're looking at local stories and, and told through local partners. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, 
as like an art maker, I'm always so fascinated by that work. And it's so shocking to me sometimes as I'm like, you know, as I've gotten older and I've woken up to the realities of media world, yeah, how much of the work that is like all about this impact is actually not created by or for the people that it's about. <laughs> yeah, it's bonkers. Yeah. Absolutely. I um, I was on a panel a few months ago and it was three other media partners, uh, three other big kind of broadcasters. And Waterbear was this little old digital platform trying to change the world with stories. And, um, you know, one of the big broadcasters were talking, was talking about sustainability and, and how important it was to them. And someone in the audience asked if it's so important to you. And there are thousands and thousands of hours of archive footage of polar bears and ice caps and everything in that space why have you sent out a production crew of hundreds of people to go and capture a season two of of I mean we can guess where I'm going with that but it was um it's it's bonkers and what, um, did, what did the what did that person have to say about that completely stumped yeah um, it was yeah yeah but that's exact. that's another thing is like all this unused data that's just floating around yeah 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 it's There's such a um, waste yeah is we we talk about circular production models um mm-hmm. how can we start you know this out we need an open source something to make sure that people can access this content because there's hours of content out there that people can reuse um and we're trying to encourage you know we've got a partner we're working with at the moment they're not shooting anything new it's all archive footage um wow. around reforestation um yeah it, it's i mean that so if we want to talk there. about art making like that is part of it right it's like how can you craft story from stuff that already exists because yeah again we record so much when we're on the shoot and so little gets into the final product like there can it's all about looking in a different way kind of reminds me of somebody else that we spoke to in the season who is running um a film festival called a small file media where everything has to be so uh the size of a floppy disk space because of all the oh, data cool. yeah and how we can still tell stories that are either pixelated or lower yeah. quality not this high definition streaming and how that yeah. works which is another part i do want to talk about it is a challenging thing like uh, the carbon footprint of streaming media in our world at the moment estimated at one percent of all the global um yeah which is and growing uh but that also obviously includes social media facetiming video calling all of that um what are your thoughts and what are water bears thoughts towards this? i know that you work with akamai which is yeah. um yeah will you tell us about that yeah it's it's really funny that you've brought this up because just coming back to the previous point around mm-hmm. you know story doesn't need to be you know it can be the size the size of a floppy disk it, it can be such a you can shoot it on on a an iphone on you know yeah. and shoot it on tiktok and it's just as powerful as as a major feature doc um that's the world we live in um there's this crazy stat i don't know if you remember when greta thunberg said she wasn't going to go to i think it was cop um last year or maybe the year before and the carbon footprint of the social media backlash was bigger than had she actually just taken a flight over to COP. It was insane because it just got millions and millions of likes engagement. Like it was crazy. Oh, wow. Um, but it's it's how do you wow. how do you reconcile how do you reconcile as a small business the need to be yeah like uh, or as an individual you're like yeah me turning on Netflix like is that like how do you yeah. grasp that in your mind? feels yeah. ungraspable and that's even a word no it's um it's a it's a it's a challenge we talk about daily um the other big challenge we talk about quite a lot is is the kind of the meaninglessness of investing budgets into paid media um mm-hmm. and kind of funneling cash 
for your organization into paid media when actually you could be funneling that that cash into something really good creating a story with impact for example um because you've got this this flux of meaningless likes and it's you know it just it's a self-perpetuating cycle of throw more cash get more likes and and Mm -hmm. what does it mean you could be investing some of that media budget into an amazing amazing short film yeah it's it's um it's a funny world we live in it is a funny world and it's um i think the one thing that i'm trying to hold on to because (laughs) i've said this like a thousand times i've become like quite negative um as i've made this but i've also realized like how many people are doing uh, work and how many different perspectives there are coming to this issue and how much it is all about community. Like there, this, this climate crisis has um, big giants like the fossil, industry, uh, fossil fuel industry have made it our problem as the individual. But that is like a lie that we've been told, you know, it is a collective choice and we all have choices that we make in our daily life, but we also have a collective opportunity to work together Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, that, I mean, that, that in a sentence summarizes exactly what we're trying to do with Water Bear. And mm-hmm. said about I did. It's, it's all about community. Yeah, it really is. But um, if we can go back and talk about um, the content delivery of Akamai and Vimeo, like the, what are, what are the, cause that is an internal sustain. They have some internal sustainability policies around uh, streaming. Yeah, they do. Um, so it's lower lower CDN um, levels. We use them because they they're a more sustainable streaming provider, um, and they have that lower CDN lower CDN level. Essentially, they're one of the better in the business at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is, I think, a great opportunity for anyone who's interested out there in trying to work on that um, on that way of delivering because i think again like we talked about like story and entertainment is so integral to mobilization of people and inspiration rather than um disintegration and disempowering people um so we need it and it's a part of our world so how can we change it to be better so you have Waterbear uh, Originals Productions. Um, has this given way to the explanation of causes that are close to the, comp- uh, the other company members' hearts? And um, is it a way for also people who work at the company who might not be on the creative side to give, uh, you know, to uh, get more to the, to the root of some, some of the maybe sustainable development goals that they're interested in? Yeah, I think it's funny. We were talking about this last night. Um... I think everyone works at Waterbear because they want to do their bit. They want yeah. to try and help save the world and um, save the world is such a, a huge goal, isn't it? But everyone is here because they 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 want to do better. They want to do differently. Um, and it does mean we have a bunch of, um, I'd say, not quite activists, but we all care deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to kind of impact goals and focus areas with the content side of things, we... It would be it would be an absolute nightmare if we all told you know if we all this is I care about yeah this mission I really care about like right yeah. now I've got and yeah um, so what we do at the start of each year is is map out our kind of core focus areas um, at the moment it's circularity it's um, uh, conservation efforts and it's climate um, mm-hmm. specifically climate justice and, and obviously those worlds all intersect um and it's figuring out how we how we tell stories in those spaces through the water bear lens so a really great example of that is 
circularity is a really interesting word. A lot of people switch off when they hear it. It, There's like proven data that shows that um, it's like a dead zone word. People don't really know. How interesting. Yeah. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. And because it's such a a vast topic. Um, We work with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. I don't know if you've come across them, but they're an amazing organization who are focused on systems change um, at individual and um, kind of uh, big supply chain policy shift level. And their brief to us was make circularity sexy, and um, how do we make sec- how do we make circularity relevant at C-suite level? So major organisations that need to shift businesses and at individual level. So we took that brief, um, and we're now their kind of three-year content storytelling partner, and we are making we, we've lensed it with the water bear lens, and rather than um, just telling stories about great things in the circularity space we've themed it other ways of living um so Mm. spotlighting people that are are living in very different unique other ways and that kind of content we know resonates with our audience um because people are inspiration in in people who are doing things differently um so you've got your big big areas circularity biodiversity and um climate but then we break it down with water bear lenses to make sure that it's accessible for people yeah yeah i think one thing that's quite interesting when you have a platform like this is that there is data available in terms of what people click on and like how how do you how do you see the value of data in 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 this uh yeah so i mean you could say that water bear is an impact data company right Mm. it's um we've got so much information and it's so exciting because it's not creepy stalker impact data. It's um, not like the major <laughs> tech giants are doing, but it's... Except cookies. We, yeah, it's, it's starting to think about how we can help and support people on their impact journey. And it's also encouraging, it's enabling us to encourage major organizations to start de-incentivizing traditional marketing metrics and incentivizing impact metrics. As an example, going back to my slight rant about um, paid media if you're looking and measuring likes reach whatever you might be measuring that's just that's just not a good example of that's not going to cause that's not going to create change or impact we much prefer to look at um, how many people finished the film and what did they do after at what point did they drop off the film and why was that oh it was a talking head for two minutes that's not engaging people that's not going to cause people to act what do we need to make sure is in there to make people act how do we ensure that people's behavior change lasts so we you know we launched a film about the darker side of the fashion industry last year a survey before and after the film made sense you could see that people didn't have that much of a kind of they they weren't up in arms about the use of fur and leather before watching the film after watching the film they swore off ever buying fur and leather how do you then make sure that that behavior change sticks is it serving content is it serving a film is it serving a campaign in two months time in three months time in six months time um so that data is is so so interesting because it's 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 all about how can we how can we keep that that change and that impact going yeah and it's really looking at content and film also as a tool you know it's really a tool to get uh people to change and that's a very unique uh a unique gift that we have in this beautiful thing that is art and movies is exactly. balancing. Um, so part of your job is strategizing, campaigning, growth. A lot of the things in the future are unpredictable. As you said, yeah. you're standing against giants like the meat industry, like the fossil fuel industry. How do you strategize against a giant? Yeah. Um, what a question. It's mm. um, it, 
all comes back to, I think it's SDG number 17 um, collaboration and how we can make the most of and work with the best partners who are going to help on this journey. Um, it's also about being agile, right? We're a startup, so we're, we're able to be agile. But um, I'd love to say that we have a plan for the next 12 months. We do, but it will probably change in three months in response to what's going on in the world. Um, so it's about being willing to willing to change and willing to partner with with other big players. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a whole company obviously behind Waterbear. What are some things that you guys are doing um, in the office? You know, you're like, say, being a startup, there's face to face interaction that has to happen. There's travel. There's, uh, you know, the, the carbon footprint that comes with just being in a company. Uh, what are some things that you guys are working on to uh, keep it sustainable behind the scenes as well? Yeah. So, um, most, I'd say 90% of the organization are vegetarian, um, <laughs> although we can't force vegetarianism on anyone. Um, we're pretty conscious of, of our travel footprint. Um, so we, it's, it's funny cause we get a really weird reaction when we say no to traveling to panels and events, if it's just a one day thing, uh, people are very confused by that, but we're like, no, we're not, we're not going to get on a flight for a one day thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're pretty conscious about travel, you know, any, any business travel that's close by has to be done on trains. Um, we're pretty conscious about what we're eating in the office. We have a volunteering policy in the office. So this week, everyone's volunteered at a food bank. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so um, I spent yesterday afternoon in a food bank. We do that every quarter. Okay. Um, so we make sure that, and it usually aligns with what we are campaigning for that quarter. Um, so that that kind of, that's a, a big focus area. Obviously, we've got the production side of things, making sure that our productions are green and making sure the production team is adhering to those standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are tracking and, and measuring everything we're doing um, yeah. as an organization. We're a B Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're the first ever streaming B Corp. Um, and in our first, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, we're also part of the UN Global Compact, um, which is mm-hmm. the an arm for business um and we have kind of we're super lucky because we're surrounded by impact advisors and investors um you are kind of super invested in making sure that water bear retains its impact focus um so yeah we're we're set up we're set up for impact i guess my last question is um what would you say to those who feel like giving up or that don't have that future vision anymore that are able to, you know, look towards the strategizing against the giants. Keep looking because there's always someone in your network or around you or in your friendship group that's willing to help and do. Um, and I think when you see the small, the small things that are being done and you see that other people are trying, it it definitely helps me. Um, and that's, I'm lucky I come into Water Bear every day and I see 35 Water Bears trying um I speak, I speak to you know sustainability officers who are trying but um so I'm fortunate but if you don't have that around you um you can find people there is there is a community and if you can't find them you can sign up to water bear for free and find them all there <laughs> fantastic thank you so much I really really enjoyed this conversation likewise thank you for having me now hesitate not in the episode notes you will find a link to sign up for water bear for free and I really hope that you do This platform is filled to the brim with fantastic, important works by really incredible filmmakers. I'm very much looking forward to learning through those stories and seeing how the platform continues to be a conduit for inspired action. Thank you very much, Poppy, for joining me. You can follow Waterbear on Instagram and LinkedIn at Waterbear Network and the podcast, of course, at Interlens Podcast. Now, if you have any thoughts on this episode 
or on the subject of visual storytelling and climate change, feel free to send us a message for discussion in her lens podcast at gmail.com. I'm very grateful for your continued support. And I really hope that these episodes are both informative and inspiring. It is for me and I hope it is for you as well. So I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye-bye.